week, we are looking at week five, chapter five, enlarging your soul through grief and loss and surrendering to your limits. But first, let me pray for you. Let's just close our eyes. God, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that you are so good to us. God, we, we open up our hearts. We prepare to, to hear your word. We don't want to stay the same. We want to grow in you. We want to be on a constant journey of resurrender, renewal, consecration. God, speak to us. Highlight things in our life today that we need to journey through with you. God, I thank you that you bless every person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Enlarging your soul through grief and loss. Peter Scazzaro says this. Loss marks the place where self-knowledge and powerful transformation happen if we have the courage to participate in the process. Loss and grief cannot be separated from the issue of our limits as humans. Limits are behind all loss. We cannot do or be anything we want regardless of what we're told. God has placed enormous limits around even the most gifted of us and it keeps us grounded and it keeps us humble. We cannot do everything and we cannot be everything, even though we try and even though the world tells us that we can. Often we think of grief and loss solely about death. And so when I was given this topic to preach, I was like, I haven't really, like, my initial thought was I haven't really gone through a lot of like loss and grief and all of that but when we look at it um, we experience all of us experience a lot of loss and grief in our life and it's not necessarily around death so today we're going to look at it at a much broader scale um, our culture interprets losses as invasions to our normal world but in fact losses are every day well not every day hopefully but it's a normal part of life and so we have the choice whether these losses will crush us or whether we look at it as an opportunity for God to enlarge us and grow us and an opportunity for God to do something amazing in our life. So we're going to look at the life of Job today, actually. So the thing about Job is that Job lost everything in one day. Now, hopefully, none of us will ever experience that kind of loss where we lose everything in one day. For most of us, it's the span of a lifetime. So the story of Job, though, is the story of us all because we all experience these losses. Um, we lose our youthfulness. Whether we like it or not, we are ageing. We're not going to be young forever. We lose our dreams. I've got things that I dreamed and hoped for that I know aren't going to happen anymore, and that's okay. But that's a loss. We lose our routines as we, as, and our stabilities as we trans through different go through different transitions of life. I know many, like for me, I had to grieve my old life when I had babies. It's like, it's little things like that. I know people that have never grieved their old life and so they have babies and they're angry all the time because they can't do the things that they wanted to do. It's, um, it's moving to a new country. Many people here and grieving the things that you moved from. Um, it's changing jobs and the things that, you lose through that process. We grieve things that we can't do, our limits. Um, at some point in our life, we will experience catastrophic loss. 
as well, the death of a family member, a health diagnosis, a divorce. And this is often the point where we hit the wall, as referring to last week. But we all experience different losses in our life. Job lost everything in one day. So like I said, hopefully this isn't us. Job was the Bill Gates of his day. He had extraordinary wealth. Um, The book says if he was around today, he would be on the front page of Forbes magazine, one of the richest, wealthiest men in the world. But he was a godly man as well. He was faithfully walking with God and the Bible says he feared God and he shunned evil. Today he'd be one of the most well-known, respected Christian leaders of our day. Suddenly, Job's life changed dramatically. In one day, he'd lost everything. He, He was reduced to poverty. His 10 children had been killed in a natural disaster, all in one day. Job neither sinned or blamed God. Instead, he worshipped. And then more. So as he was beginning to get himself on his feet, his body experienced boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. His sores became infected with worms. Let's all just visualise that for a minute. (laughs) His eyes grew red and swollen. Horrid sickness emaciated his body. He moved outside the city walls to the town's garbage dump. This is one of the wealthiest people on the planet at the time and a respected Christian leader, godly man. And then his wife left him, just to top it all off. The thing about Job is that all of his suffering was undeserved. Job was an innocent man. So it's not like his sin and his bad choices had gotten him to this place of suffering. He was a godly man. He served the Lord he loved the Lord and all of these things one after one happened to him and he was reduced to nothing he had nothing left stop and think for a minute how you would respond put yourself in Job's shoes for a minute in a modern day context how would you respond and how might you have grieved if you were Job how do you respond to loss As we spoke about two weeks ago, family of origin has a lot to do with how we grieve and how we respond to loss, the way we've grown up, our culture. Our culture today, addictions become the most common way that we respond to pain. We keep busy running from one activity to another. We work 70 hours a week. We drink. We overeat. We demand that someone or something take our loneliness away, whether it's marriage, ideal family, an achievement, the church, our career. And we deny and we minimise our wounds. We keep ourselves so busy instead of stopping and looking inward. The result of denying and minimising our wounds over many years is that we become less and less human. Empty shells with painted smiley faces. And sadly, much of our Christian, contemporary Christian culture has added to this unbiblical avoidance of pain and loss and we feel guilty for not responding and obeying the scripture, commanding us to rejoice in the Lord always. We're good, rejoice in the Lord always. Deep down, we are grieving, we're hurting and we're not actually confronting our pain. So we need to drop our defensive shields 
We don't cry and we don't mourn like people that don't have hope in Jesus, but we do cry and we do mourn. And that is a healthy way to grieve. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Turning toward our pain is counterintuitive. But the heart of Christianity is, the way, is that the way to life is through death. The pathway to the resurrection was through crucifixion. So unconsciously, we carry all these defensive mechanisms throughout our life in order to protect ourselves, and we carry them into adulthood. But in adulthood, they block us from growing spiritually and emotionally. And so it might be denial. We deny that, no, no, we're all good, we're all good. I feel fine, it doesn't bother me after we just got fired or something. No, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We minimise it. We admit that something is wrong, but in such a way that it appears less serious than it is. We blame others. We deny responsibility for our behaviour and project it on someone else. We blame ourselves. We take responsibility or blame for something that actually wasn't ours, our fault. We rationalise, we intellectualise, we distract, we change a subject or engage humour to avoid avoid threatening topics. Or we become hostile. We get angry or irritable when a reference is made to certain subjects. Because we're hiding it. We're putting up these shields. We don't want to deal with it. So we have all these strategies and coping mechanisms in order to not confront. So what's a healthy way to grieve? Biblical grieving is God's path to new beginning, to new beginnings. And Job models this brilliantly. There is a healthy biblical way to grieve. So, are you ready? five phases of biblical grieving for most of us this is like a crazy radical new way to process grieving number one pay attention in the church we have little theology for anger sadness waiting and depression when asked how we're doing after a loss or disappointment, we'll respond with things like couldn't be better, God's working all things together for good, I just can't see it yet Job, on the other hand, cried out to God. He shouted at God. He prayed wild prayers. He told God exactly what he was feeling. He struggled with God. He doubted. He wept. He wondered where God was and why this had happened to him. He did not avoid the horror of his situation, but confronted it head on. And I think we need permission to go, that's okay, to feel what we're feeling and to wrestle with God about it. And not just put up this thing of like, it's all good. I know God's got it. I know God's working it all together for good. And that's almost like what we think we're expected to do and say. We quote the right scriptures to each other. But we need to let it all down and be real with each other and process our loss. When we do not process before God the very feelings that make us human, such as fear, sadness and anger, we leak. Our churches are filled with leaking Christians, not this church, of course, who have not treated their emotions as a discipleship issue. Grieving is not possible without paying attention to our anger and sadness. Most people are nice and respectable. 
We squish down our other feelings um, of anger and sadness and we just hope that God will honour us being so noble. The result is that we leak through in soft ways such as passive-aggressive behaviour, sarcastic remarks, nasty tone of voice or giving the silent treatment. Job's misery lasted several months or perhaps years, we actually don't know. But we do know that he paid attention to himself and he was very real with God about what he was feeling and he chose to enter the confusion of the dark night of the soul and not run from it or medicate himself or become addicted to other things. Number two is the weight in the confusing in-between. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him, Psalm 37, 7. It remains one of the most radical comments, commands of our day and requires enormous humility. Job waited a long time when the people closest to him quit because they didn't have a theology around the waiting. They didn't have a theology of God big enough to walk through phase two of grieving. Grieving. Job's friends were convinced that his suffering was because of his sin and represent the classic religional legalism that goes something like this. You're not healed because you don't pray enough, you don't fast enough, you don't read God's word enough. You're suffering more than most because you've sinned more. With Job, this wasn't true. Like we said, he was an innocent man. His friends had no room for the confusing in between because it resists all earthly categories and quick solutions. We want quick solutions today. It's so hard to wait and trust God in the waiting. It runs contrary to our Western culture that pervades our spirituality. Number three, embrace the gift of limits. Perhaps the greatest loss we must grieve is our limits. It drives us to humility before God and others like little else. Consider the following. Like we said, our physical body, like it or not, it's aging. And there's no amount of Botox, plastic surgery, that can stop that aging process. We are all aging and within our body and our, our Justin's knees, our physical limit for his basketball ability. Family of origin, our family, our ethnicity, country of birth, our culture, all gave you. So the limits can be a gift from God, right? Our marital status, our children are all limits. Intellectual capacity, none of us is brilliant at everything and none of us are brilliant at everything all at once. We have intellectual limits. Our talents and gifts, we're limited. We don't have all the gifts. Our material wealth, we're limited by our resources. Don't we know it? Our time, don't we know it? <laughs> our work and relationships, our work remains hard. We never totally finish. Relationships will not be perfect until heaven. We must grieve these limits so we don't demand things of people 
that they can't give. A spiritual understanding. God has revealed himself to us in his son, scripture and creation, but so much of who he is remains incomprehensible. That's a limit to our spiritual journey and understanding. Often we have larger fantasies and wishes for ourselves than our real lives can support. As a result, we work frantically trying to do more than God intended. We burn out thinking we can do more than we can and we get stressed and we blame others. A few years ago, I told the story of my journey in starting and selling a business that I had. And I thought, I'll just quickly share it again today because when I was reading about all this limit stuff, it's exactly put words to everything that I experienced in that time. So just after we took on the church eight years ago, I started this business. It was an online store. We'd had the girls. Um, Justin was working another job at this point. So we were running the church. He was working another job. I'm not sure why I thought it was a good idea to start a business at that point. But I did. (laughs) Seemed like a good idea at the time. Things were getting busier. Church was growing. Then Justin started his master's degree. Then we had another baby. We had Oak. And so I got to this point where I felt like I was spinning all of these plates and running myself in circles trying to keep them all up. Can anybody relate? And I knew that something had to give. I knew it wasn't my kids. I wasn't going to get rid of them. I knew it wasn't church because I knew that I felt called to that. We felt called to that. So I knew that I had to sell my business. I loved it. It was going well. It was something I loved doing. I loved having my own thing. I loved the creativity. Let's be honest, I love the compliments I got about it. But at what cost? I had to accept my limits. My life could not continue the way it was before I had children. And I think this is often the point as new mums, we think we can do it all. I could not work in the same capacity and I had to realise my children are not an interruption to my life goals and plans. They're a gift from God and a part of God's plan for my life. And that was a revelation in that moment. I made the decision to sell the business. It was hard and it was a loss. But I had to surrender to my limits. And what I love reading this week was on devotional on day three was a story of, about how often a difficult event can be turned into a rich blessing. And you know, I only just thought of it this week. But today, I, alongside raising three beautiful children, alongside building the church with Justin, I have the most incredible job where I'm doing Everything I loved about having my business on a scale for somebody else, for another business, on a scale about 20 times larger, with a friend who 18 years ago I met working when I was at uni, she was just out of school, and we said we had such similar interests. We need to start a business together. And we had all these dreams about starting a business together. And now I'm running alongside her while she's 
has limits, raising two little boys, um, running alongside her, helping make her dream happen, but doing all the things that I loved about my business within my own limits of my own life so that I can do all of that and I can build the church and I can raise my children all with a healthy balance. And so what was such a loss at the time, but I knew was God to let it go and surrender it and I grieved it. I look at it and I'm just, that's the kindness and the goodness of God. So often what looks like something difficult and it is, God will bless. It will end up being a great blessing in our life. And there's so much more to that story. It's actually incredible. So, but there's no time for that today. But we're convinced that the world, our churches, our friends, our businesses or our children will stop if we stop. Getting off our thrones and joining the rest of humanity is a must for growing up. And that is Pete Scazzaro's words, not mine. (laughs) Getting off our thrones and joining the rest of humanity is a must for growing up. We hate limits. We find it difficult to accept them. This is why grieving loss biblically is an indispensable part of spiritual maturity. It humbles us like little else. Number four, we're almost done, is climb the ladder of humility. Job emerged from his suffering transformed. And this is the incredible thing about this point. He was a broken and changed man. Through the process of waiting, Job made a choice. And it was to climb the ladder of humility. And I'm going to go through what these steps on the ladder are. But the point is this. Job didn't wait until God had restored him until he became humble. It was in this process of waiting that Job chose to climb this ladder of humility. And then he emerged a changed man. In the sixth century, St. Benedict developed a 12-step ladder for growing in the grace of humility, and it's been adapted by Peter Scazzaro. We grow in the grace of humility by the fear of God and mindfulness of him. That's number one. Often we forget the presence of God and we act as if, it, as if he's not present. But to grow in humility, we're mindful of God all the time. Number two is doing God's will, not our own, not someone else's. Number three is being willing to subject ourselves to the direction of others. We are free to give up our arrogance and all-powerfulness and are open to accepting God's will as it comes through others. We do it without grumbling or an attitude. Number four is being patient to accept the difficulties of others. Life with others is full of aggravations. Anyone? It requires we give others a chance to figure out their weaknesses in their own way, in their own time. One of the greatest pieces of wisdom I heard many, many, many years ago from Chris Pringle was this. There is always a reason why people are the way they are. It allows grace upon grace upon grace upon grace to flow. Radical honesty to others about our weaknesses and faults. We quit pretending, sorry, this is number five. We quit pretending to be something we're not. We admit our weaknesses and limitations to someone who can deeply cares about our development come alongside someone number six 
I just realised this is a 12-step ladder and I've got eight steps. <laughs> oh, this is his ad- adaption. That's why I got confused. I'm like, what did I do there? Don't worry, it's all good. Number six, deeply aware of being the chief of all sinners. We see ourselves as being potentially weaker and more sinful than anyone around us. We are the chief of all sinners. This is not in a self-hate way or an invitation to abuse, but it's meant to make us kind and gentle. We go, I'm the biggest sinner of them all. How can I judge? How can I point fingers? Who am I to do that? I'm the biggest sinner of them all. We are all one dumb decision away from messing up our lives. Let that sink in. Number seven, purposeful to speak less with more restraint. The outcome of a life that seeks God and is filled with wisdom. The wise are known for their few words. Number eight is transformed into the love of God. There's no sarcasm, there's no put-downs, no airs of importance. We're able to embrace our limits and those of others. We are fully aware of how fragile we are. We're at home with ourselves and content to rely on the mercy of God. Everything is a gift. What a beautiful place to live from. This is what Job did in the waiting. In the confusing in-between. This is where Job chose to go. He emerged from the waiting, having journeyed through all of this. And number five in the grieving, five steps of biblical grieving, is let the old birth the new. Good grieving is not only letting go, but letting it bless us. There are many rich fruits that blossom in our lives as a result of embracing our losses. The greatest concerns our relationship with God. We move from a give me, give me, give me prayer life to an intimate, loving prayer life characterised by a loving union with God. When we grieve God's way, we're changed forever. There is a healthy biblical way to grieve and we're not to just suppress all our feelings, all our emotions, but journey through it, embrace it, like walk straight into it, but in a healthy biblical way. I just want to finish up by um, each chapter in this book has a prayer at the end of it, which is really beautiful. So I thought, I just want to finish up by reading this. Let's all just take a moment and close our eyes and just contemplate this for a moment. And as I read this prayer, just think about maybe there's a loss in your life that you need to grieve in a healthy way. What's God revealing to you today? What's he stirring in your heart today? Well, let's not suppress it. Let's actually grow in our spiritual health and emotional health and choose to lean into these things. Lord Jesus, when I think about my losses, it can feel that I have no skin to protect me. I feel raw, scraped to the bone. I don't know why you have allowed such pain. Looking at Job helps, but I must admit that I struggle to see something new being birthed out of the old. Lord, grant me the courage to feel, to pay attention, and then to wait on you. You know that everything in me resists limits, humility, and the cross. So I invite you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to make your home in me, as you describe in John 14, 23, 
to freely roam and to fill every crevice of my life. And may the prayer of Job finally be mine. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Beautiful. We're going to close the service now. Tea and coffee is inside today because who knows what the weather is doing. But hey, if you would like prayer this morning, we will happily pray for you, Catherine. Prayer team will happily pray for you. But uh, if not, feel free to grab your kids, enjoy a coffee, have a wonderful week. Rianne Grobler is preaching next Sunday. Hello. It's going to be amazing. So make sure you're here for that. But have a great week.